Legend or myth, truth or fiction, stories of adventure, a rare depiction. Listen close, but please be wary. Some of these stories may be scary. Now it's time for Celtic Fables in Rhyme. Cormac MacArt and the Fairy Branch, read by Joe Harris. Cormac MacArt was a high king at Tara, a ruler of splendid acclaim. Loved by his people for all his good deeds, there was lots to be said in his name. He was witty, he was wise, he had foresight, told no lies, he was gritty, idolized. And it was no surprise that he ruled the land for many, many years. He was a fair high king, full of wisdom, a perfect leader in a world full of tears. Few questioned where his wisdom came from. Many argued that he was born that way. But let me tell you, wisdom's not a birthright, for Cormac it was gained the hardest way. It was reckless, it was brash, almost feckless, he was rash, had a harebrained bad decision that in a fairy flash made Cormac's world come crashing down. And here lies the tale of Cormac and the fairy branch, a moralistic yarn of some renown. It started with a simple piece of wood, a branch cut from a fairy apple tree. So not such a simple branch at all, it was charmed with fairy mystery. It was alluring, a delight, had nine red apples that shone bright, and when it was shook it did excite with a mystic tune. It was the fairy branch that could cure all ills, and when Cormac heard it, he wanted it, and soon. Can I have that branch you hold? asked MacArthur the fairy youth one day. It sparkles and sings to me. I must have it. It's magic, I'd say. You may have the branch I hold if you give me anything I ask. Now think long and hard. What's your answer for this task? I am High King Atara, and have lots to offer you, I'm sure. In exchange for that fairy branch, I'll give you anything you wish for. Well, in that case, take this branch, and may it cure your every ill. I will take your wife and children, a fair exchange, if you will. There was nothing fair about this deal, but Cormac had taken the bait, and his wife and children were filled with grief on hearing of their fate. But Cormac shook the fairy branch, and its music filled the air, and Cormac's wife and children forgot this troubling affair, and went happily with the fairy youth as if they knew him well. The fairy branch had cured their ills with its magic musical spell. This fairy branch became a tool that helped all in the land. Once Cormac MacArthur, the fair high king, was holding it in his hand. The sick were cured, the sad made happy, the bad were taught to be kind. It was a magic branch indeed, to soothe the savage mind. The only problem with this tool was that it didn't work on the king. He could shake that branch all day long, but his heart would never sing. A year had passed and Cormac missed his wife and children dear, so he left to find his family and bring his heart some cheer. He travelled hills and fields on foot, he walked a long, long way, until he came to a clearing to rest near the end of the day. But as the evening grew dark, a fairy mist fell, and Cormac woke up in this fairy spell. It was magic, it was bright, it came day in the dark of night, a path shone bright in this light. And Cormac continued with his trek. New paths grew in this landscape, wound through trees, such was their shape. And Cormac knew which road to take, and kept his eyes in check. He saw some men thatch a roof, 
using feathers instead of straw. A strange material to use, and Cormac looked on in awe. Give me over that bag of feathers. Here. No, the blue one. Hutch. Have the glue handy there, just in case. I have the glue. When the men had finished one side, they packed up their tools for the day and went in search of more feathers, but the wind blew their work away. Then Cormac saw a young man steadfastly chopping up a tree. Each log he cut just burst into flames. He carried on chopping, you see. Then Cormac came to three large wells, each a cast-iron head, each with a wide-open mouth from which the water sped. From the mouth of the first head there flowed two streams, from the second there flowed another, but the third all three streams flowed, and this made Cormac shudder. He puzzled over the wellheads and wondered what all this meant. Men working hard and getting nowhere, and now streams running unspent. He wanted to stay at the wellside, but something else took his gaze. Just a few feet in the distance stood a house in this fairy haze. Cormac felt he must enter this home, so he knocked upon the door. Enter, the man of the house proclaimed. We were expecting a caller for sure. He was greeted by a tall couple dressed in brightly coloured clothes. The wife bade the husband to seek some food, and so he did what she proposed. He was gone for only minutes and returned with a boar on his back, threw it down on the cobble floor, then hit it an almighty whack. The whack split the pig in quarters, four tough pieces of meat. No, said the man, you must cook it before you're able to eat. But how, said Cormac, bemused, when we don't have any heat? The lady brought in a large branch and laid it on the floor. Once again her husband whacked it and cut the branch in four. Now, he said, you must tell a story. Put a log under a quarter of boar. If the story is true, it will cook right here on this floor. You tell me one first, said Cormac, who thought this was trickery indeed. Okay, said the man, I'll go first, if that be your want and your need. Seven pigs have I like this one here, and with it I could feed all men. Or if I place its bones in the sty, tomorrow he'll be a living pig again. The story must have been true, because just as he had told it, a log under one quarter of meat flew into flames and cooked it. Then Cormac looked at the lady. Do you have a story to tell? I do, she said and began. We have seven cows as well, and they fill up huge buckets with fresh milk every day, enough for the whole world to drink. If they were here to sup it, I'd say... The story must have been true, because just as she had told it, a log under one quarter of meat flew into flames and cooked it. Now your turn, said the man to Cormac, and Cormac bowed his head. My story is a sad one, I'm afraid, full of loneliness and dread. I was tricked, you see, by a fairy who offered me a gift in exchange for all that I held dear, and I took it without thinking too swift. Now I search for my wife and children, who I gave up without a care for a fairy branch that played music and cured all around with its air. Of course the story was true, and just as Cormac had told it, a log under one quarter of meat flew into flames and cooked it. If that story is true, said the man, then you must be Cormac McCart, for only one so deprived of their kin could tell it with such heart. Eat up, our meal is cooked. But Cormac shook his head. In truth I've lost my appetite. I miss them so, he said. Then the front door opened. Well, maybe it's company you need. In walked Cormac's family, and Cormac welcomed them indeed. He held his wife so close and begged forgiveness too. 
His children hugged their father, and all four smiled bright anew. Then a man appeared behind them, put a halt on the meal they were planning. You must be Cormac MacArthur, he said. I'm Tiernan Oaks, King Manon. Your family stayed with me. I kept them in good stead. Now tell me why you look so puzzled. What's going on in your head? It's just today. It's all so strange. Feathered roofs and logs and flames. Three well heads and this fine food. And now you, Manon, he proclaimed. Well, now you'll learn, said Manon. These are not just riddles. The men who thatched the roof with feathers represents another idyll. It shows when men travel far to seek out all life's riches will lose much more at home with bare houses and empty bridges. And the young man cutting wood, well, he labors hard for another. But no matter how much he does, he'll never get the comfort they discover. The three heads in the well represents three types of men. One who gives freely and gets much, one who gives but gets little then, and one who gets much and gives little, and he be the worst of them. I was the fairy who tricked you, who offered you my musical gift, but I did it to teach you, King Cormac, and now I hope you have learned from it. Indeed, Cormac had learned his lesson, and one which he'd never forget, to be grateful for what life had given, and to never live that life with regret. To never give up on his loved ones or trade them for some fairy gift, no matter how much he was tempted, what he had was much better than it. Cormac MacArthur and the Fairy Branch was adapted for rhyme by Sinead McClure and read by Joe Harris. Celtic Fables in Rhyme was produced by All Points West Radio Productions with music composed and performed by Harvest Tracks and was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television license fee.